The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker, Ted Miner, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning and welcome to the program. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. We have a gem-packed program for you today. We are going to cover some very important subjects to you. We're going to talk about with Michael Powell, life planning for retirement. Ted Miner is going to help us understand some of the changes that are being proposed with Social Security. And how do those affect you? You don't want to miss that part. And Rusty Leonard is going to be with us as he gives us an economic update and has to give us kind of an idea of what's going to happen in 2021. But the important subject today I mean, it is critical that you pay attention because when you start planning, when you start thinking about retirement, you think about three basic fundamental financial aspects of every idea when it comes to retirement planning. They are, listen to me carefully, number one, how much savings do you have in your personal savings account? Dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand, whatever it is. Then how much 401k money or pension plan? That's what we call qualified money. So you've got your savings and you've got qualified money, 401k pension plan, or and the Either one of those can be very, very critical to you. But the final aspect is always Social Security. My guest today, he is going to walk us through the issues that are going on right now with Social Security. Ted Miner, Retirement Income Certified Professional. Welcome to the program, sir. Hey, good morning, Jim. Ted, I tell you, this is when we talk about Social Security, and I talk about the three-legged stool, you deal with a lot of people that in their planning process, you know, process as they go through it, Social Security is one of the most important aspects of their plan. Yes, and I'll tell you, Jim, Social Security has a couple of characteristics that some of these other things on that three-legged stool does not have. Uh, number one, it is an income stream, which makes uh, people like it. That's the way they live their lives. You know, pensions are like that. But an income stream is something they're more comfortable with than, than say, a, a potload of money. The other two characteristics are something that's very, very important. Uh, it is uh, it has a social. It is tied to the economic index. It has a cola associated with it, so it does keep up with inflation as you have it. But pensions don't have that. Most pensions don't have that. There's a some that, that actually do have that. But uh, a lot of times when you take a pension and you're in retirement for 20, 25 years, that pension at the end of retirement is not, not worth nearly what it was at the beginning of retirement. <laughs> it doesn't buy the same goods and services. <laughs> That's right. Which Social Security has a COLA associated with it. And the other big thing about Social Security, when you talk about the dollars from Social Security, is not all of it is taxed. Uh, you at least get 15% tax-free, and it also depends on your on your income bracket. But even those that ha- are in a high income tax bracket, 15% of Social Security is not taxed. Let me ask you this, Ted: When you're talking with people and they're not taxed, and you got a, you know you got an increase, cola increase, and all those things sound wonderful, 
But I read recently in the Pew Re- from the Pew Research Center, and this just it kind of shocked me when I think about it. And yet, I want to ask you if you're getting the same thing. They said 42 percent of working Americans surveyed in December of 2018. Now that's two, almost three years ago. Let's say just mm-hmm. three years right. ago. And here's what they found out: that they fear that they will not receive retirement benefits from Social Security when they retire. That's a big number, almost half of the working Americans. Do you see that as you talk to people? Yes, and I I guess what I'd like to know about that statistic is how many of them are 30 and how many of them are 40 and how many of them are 50. Uh, I do see people that come in that that we're doing retirement planning, that may be 55, 60, 65, and they are concerned about what they may receive in Social Security. And that information in itself sometimes causes them to make bad decisions on when they take their Social Security. All right, I understand that. Let's go to our in-house here in the studio, Millennial, that can tell us what they're finding out. I want to welcome to the program Michael Powell, Certified Financial Planner. Michael, I know you're going to be talking about life planning at retirement, but do you find your generation struggles with understanding what they're going to get from Social Security when they retire? I try to tell people to don't plan on it just so they I can encourage them to save more in that those two stools, the savings and the 401k slash, you know, qualified dollars. Right. But I don't like the way you said millennial. <laughs> First off, that was a little You're tagged. That was a little backhand. Did, that, did I really tag you that bad? You know. But, but realistically speaking, I think I think social social security is going to be there for us. But I don't think it's going to be in the same shape it is today. As we might say, because it hasn't group. changed in over fifty years, that's good and point. that's a big thing. You think about longevity. People are living longer. People are sometimes retiring earlier, taking advantage of social security, or trying to, but. Sometimes that could be a huge costly mistake, and the big thing I just try to point out to my millennial group <laughs> is to save more. Oh, and did I hear that? Did I feel to that? To save more a little bit and hope that at least that Social Security income is going to be more gravy than anything. Well, I think that's so critical, and when you think about what's going on with the idea behind this employment and the, and the number of people we've got a workforce that's shrinking. So, Ted, I want to lean in because I know – as we speak, there is a lot of rumble, a lot of thoughts from a congressman by the name of John Larson, a Democrat from Connecticut. He is proposing something called the Social Security 2100. Social Security 2100, a sacred trust for a lot of people. It is important that they understand it. I would like for you to give us the bullet points that you see are important to our listening audience. Well, first of all, you know, Michael Michael said it, and it's true that there's nothing really been done about Social Security for 50 years. And we've been waiting for a long time. We've, we've continued every year to get this uh, trust report from our, or our trustee report from the Social Security Trust Fund, and it doesn't look good. And finally, someone has actually stepped up and is doing something about it. Uh, there's a number of things. Number one, part of uh, this is not part of his plan, but I'll, I'll tie it into it, is that you know next year uh, they're going to get about a 5.9 percent increase in their in their benefits, which is that's that cola we talked about. That's huge. We haven't had one of those. Now that, we're expecting that for 2021. That's 2022. 2022 excuse yes, me. 2022. That's supposed to be. That's supposed to happen okay. quickly. All right. In this bill that Larson is putting forth, it's asking to bump everybody an additional 2% just to kind of help with what Social Security, the value of Social Security in in a weekly and a monthly budget. So that's also, that is one of the things that he is trying to do is trying to make Social Security a little bit more pertinent. 
All right, so there's the first one. I want to just talk. There's many, many benefits. I want you to walk us through steadily those benefits. If you just tuned in, my guest is Ted Miner and Michael Powell. We're going through right now just some of the ideas, Social Security, this idea behind being a financial strategy, knowing that it's going to increase where your pension may not or your 401k may not, but this is where you get a regular COLA cost of living increase. Ted's going to tell you about something called CPI. Dash E. You don't want to miss what that means. It's important to everybody listening. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to a podcast. Just search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker, subscribe to our podcast, and be please, please leave us a review. We would appreciate it. My guest, Ted Miner and Michael Powell, we are talking about the Social Security 2100, a sacred trust. Now, Ted, prior to the break, we were talking about the importance of Social Security and why it plays and, and how you tie it into planning. Help me understand I think our listening audience needs to, needs to really grasp why Social Security is so important to the planning, their planning strategy. Well, you know, I mentioned those benefits that Social Security has. So I think it's I think it's really important when you're starting with your financial plan to get this question on Social Security. You do have some questions that you have to answer in terms of when you take it. There may be a strategy with your spouse. There may be some other benefits that you have. The Social Security, unfortunately, Social Security Administration has 2,700 rules to it. So we want to get that right before we start talking about pensions and 401ks and savings because that that actually the choice you have on social security could impact your benefit over the course of your retirement by as much as three hundred thousand dollars wow that's amazing and i think unless they you know we look at this idea behind you know when you say about 42 percent of the people we talked about earlier this were surveyed by the pew research foundation fearing that not going to have social security that plays in critically into their plan yeah, and I and I I'm reminded here. Someone asked me one time that three hundred thousand dollars. How in the world could it be that much? And I'm, I remind people that the difference between taking it at sixty two and taking it at seventy is a seventy six percent difference in the benefit. And when you look at the fact that today we're living twenty five years in retirement instead of seven, and the fact that you might have a couple. That's what constitutes that difference in $300,000. It's a very big number. So we want to make sure we get that part right before we start adding in these other pieces of the puzzle for retirement. Well, again, we want to remind everybody that this is a part of it. If you've got a question for Ted or if you've got a question for Michael, 901-757-5757. If you just want to talk about Social Security, that's a question. Or literally this whole idea behind life planning which is what Michael is going to talk with us in just a few minutes about. But, Ted, when you think about it, in August of this year, unless financial changes were going to take place, they were saying that the payments for Social Security would drop, drop 76% of their original promised levels beginning in 2033. 
That's what you're talking about when we say this idea behind Social Security trust. That's the whole right. idea, the whole idea behind 21, 2100, a sacred trust. And and someone has looked at that, and people have gotten concerned. And that's that, that, when people hear that number, first of all, they think that they're not going to receive anything after right. 2032. That's not correct. What they're talking about is the trust fund, which actually houses all the excess that has been collected for Social Security over, over all these years. Uh, I think it's been recent, but I think it's in the, only been in the last couple of years. Maybe just this year is the first time we've actually dipped into that fund uh, to start paying because the payroll is actually more uh, than what we're collecting for the first time in history. So now they're taking from that trust fund, and that's when they say that trust fund will be depleted by 2032. This bill is going to try to add five to six more years to that so that we can make some other decisions along the road. It's, it's way past due that somebody do something about about the critical uh, position that uh, Social Security is in. All right. The annual cost of living increase, and I mentioned it before the break, CPIE. That is an elderly index. It's ca- uh, so uh, e is it elderly. Consumer <laughs> price index for, for the elderly. Okay. And the consumer price index for the elderly has more to do with the cost that they associate with their living, the uh, the medical expenses and things like that, and over the course of time, because they used a they used a different CPIW, workers' uh, cost of living index, they felt like the elderly, the people who have collected Social Security, have actually fallen a little bit behind. So one of the things in this bill is to change the consumer price index CPIW that they use now to the CPIE, which is more related to the expenses that the people who are receiving Social Security Security actually occur during their lifetime. So you're talking about this will help older retirees and widows who are, you know, literally relying on Social Security at that age as they're old, as they're aging for the benefits that they may have, whether it's health care cost or or medications. I mean, all those things. It's just things that they pay for that maybe inflates a little differently than the rest of inflation. Social Security has averaged about 2.2% for the last 10 years. And we just mentioned a while ago that next year it's 5.9. This consumer price index is, if if it is passed, then it will help keep Social Security on par, again, with the inflation and cost of living that they're really experiencing and not that of some other index that really does not uh, indicate what they're experiencing for the elderly instead of just a regular worker. All right. Here's the... Provominal, you know, the, the fact that we have a question that we have to ask, and it's just, it's there. It's formidable, and it's got to be answered. How do we pay for this? How is the congressman proposing that we write the checks? Well, get your checkbook out, Jim. <laughs> well, somebody's got to pay you know, for it. You know, there have been many times, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about things that can be done with Social Security, and we can, we can certainly have a whole radio program on that. But uh, one of the things that has happened recently is they have elevated the uh, uh, the income at a higher level than what Social Security had planned for. And next year it goes to, a, a, right now it's $142,800. But there's going to be a donut hole. If this bill passes, they're going to start collecting Social Security on wages over $400,000. They're not doing that now. So they expect what that the, what the bill says is they expect the millionaires and billionaires to pay their fair share. So they're going to start collecting social security taxes on income over $400,000. Do you feel maybe that they're they're directing the cost 
literally, I mean, to the higher, I mean, higher income workers. I mean, we've got statistics that says, you know, how much money they're paying. And I saw a statistic by the White House that said this is what, you know, the average income tax was less than 2%. Then Social Security comes back and says, wait a second, it's like 21%. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm not accurate with those numbers. I'll look it up here in a few minutes and find it. But bottom line is, is is that what they're doing? Going after the higher paid person to say this is you're going to pay more, or why the donut hole? I mean, why not just say okay, if you're making a dollar, you're going to pay the tax and go for it. Well, I, I think that's that, too that, simple. I hear you. The government's got to make it complicated. Sure, but, but for those people that have an income between 142,000 and and 400,000, they're they're very happy that they're not collecting that uh, that Social Security from them. But I believe the filling of that donut hole may come later to fund more of Social Security, because this does not solve the whole problem by any means, but it does give us some breathing room in terms of when that that, uh, trust fund will be depleted. Well, again, the whole idea is I'll I'll talk about the White House and the tax laws in a minute, but go ahead. I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface, though, on waiting longer to take it. Like the full retirement age for me is 67, and I think it's, what, 1957? And older, like that. If you're born in 1957 or 1958 or older, then your full retirement age to take your 100% collected benefit is age 67. Now, if that gets extended for X amount of people that were born in different years, like for me, I'm 30. I mean, that's just a big red flag to me, at least for that could be a change as well, along with just taxing the, the rich, as they say. Michael, I believe that that is probably one of the things that is going to, again, that that along with the donut hole will be considered later on. Because mm-hmm. when you think about Social Security, the 65 was selected in 1935. I mean, that's when that, that was full retirement age in 1935. They've only changed it two years in 80 years. Right. And, and the longevity of man... Uh, we have, we've added, let's see, I think in 1935, the life expectancy of man was 63. Well, it's about 20 years longer than that today. So we've only increased it two years, and that's why I've heard Jim say, well, when I was, I was doing planning, we only planned for seven years after retirement. Well, today we're planning for 25. That's right. We're going 90, 95. That's, that's right. right. So if you don't do 90, you're not, you're not stretching it long enough. So I can, see, I can see that as being a fundamental change. And, and so when I'm talking to young people, that's one of the things I do bring out. I do believe that the people I'm talking to over 55 and nearly 60, that, that Social Security is something we can plan on. Oh, yeah. uh, I think we're close enough to it that we can use it. Well, I want to clarify. I made the comment earlier about the taxes and what the percentages were. White House comes back and says the wealthiest of Americans are paying about 8.2% from years 2010 to 2018. And then the Internal Revenue comes back and say the wealthiest marriage over the last nine years is about 22.1%. That's just a discrepancy. It's, uh, you know, however how you want to calculate it and funny math or whatever you want to do. But the bottom line is it's just, you know, they're attacking. And I don't want to say attacking. They're just saying, if you know, there's no exemption. You're going to pay the tax to make sure we're covering it. And, again, uh, that would be a lot of money coming in. So that's important for us to think about that. Uh, I want to lean in. I don't have much time, Michael, but I want to talk about the whole idea behind what is, and when we think about this, what is life planning for retirement? Basically, we're trying to find a new identity in what we're doing. Because, I mean, we're known over our, I guess, 20, 30, 40 years of working, we have some sort of identity with what we do a lot of times. And when you get out of work and you retire and you're do you got all the time in the world. you got 40 hours a week basically freed up. What are you going to do with that time? 
And life planning is probably just as vital as it is figuring out your social security check, figuring out how to take money out of your qualified plans efficiently, how to deal with your savings. Because that's what we do as financial planners is work on the math part. But the mental side, the physical side, that's that's a critical part, too. You know, taking the responsibility of figuring out what am I going to do when I step away from that office or step away from that what I've been doing, whether it's an office, whether it's construction, whatever it is, it just I'm stepping away. That's been my identity. And that's the problem for a lot of people. And the focus has been on accumulation and on, but not on lifestyle. And mm-hmm. so, Michael, when we come back, there's two things I want you guys to help us understand. I want us to really dive into how do we do life planning? What are the, what are the key issues? What are the problems that you see? And how does Social Security tie into that? I think that's, a, I think that's everybody wants to know how to do the planning part, and that's critical. That's important for us to do. If you just tuned in, my guest, Michael Powell and Ted Miner. Coming up after the break, we've got a great guy, Rusty Leonard. He'll be with us talking about the economic forecast for 2021. But we're going to talk about life planning for retirement. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Well, coming up in just a few minutes, Rusty Leonard will give us an economic update of what's happening and what we expect for the remainder of 2021. We'll be talking about the Fed and about taxation. We'll talk about inflation all important subjects when it comes to your financial plan. But currently, I am talking with Michael Powell, Certified Financial Planner, and Ted Miner, Retirement Income Certified Professional, and we are discussing life planning for retirement. Now, you think about this. Every time we talk about retirement, we seem to focus only on the accumulation side, the idea of putting money in the 401k, the idea of making sure that you've got a certain amount of savings, the idea of your Social Security, we call it the three-legged stool. But there is something that is so important that we see all the time in our practices as we spend time talking to people, and that is what do you do after you've retired? It can be a very tough period. I've seen people get just anxious and depressed, and they go through just just figuring it out. Well, I want to remind you that you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to a podcast. Tell somebody about it. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review. But be sure that you're spreading the good news. We want you to be someone who's listening but telling others, hey, I heard a show about life planning for retirement, and you want to definitely listen to the program. So, Michael, let me ask, life planning for retirement, what do you talk to when you're discussing with people are the top priorities for that life plan when it comes to the retirement? I would say the first one, since I just, before the break, talked about more about, hey, you spend 40 hours a week at a job. What are you going to do with those 40 hours? Right. I mean, there's a lot to do. <laughs> a lot of sitting around, maybe watching the cars go by on the porch. I don't think everybody wants to do that. I don't think do people that. want to do that. I've seen that. I've seen people doing that, you know. But leisure and recreation. I mean, are you going to have a weekly routine doing something? Are you going to pick grandkids up from school every day? Are you going to be working in a, 
uh, maybe a part-time job or maybe you have a hobby you've wanted to do, finally get those 18 holes a week that you've finally been wanting to get. I mean, there's just so many different things we can spend mu- spend our time on now because time's the biggest asset there now That's without regarding our finances and everything. But you got to find some sort of routine to keep you sharp. You know, I, I, you talk about hobby, and, and I asked a guy recently, what would he do? He plays golf. He plays golf a lot. And I said, okay, what are you going to do if all of a sudden you've got a bad shoulder, a bad knee, or, you know, something, and you can't play golf? What is that hobby that you're going to fall back on? Or what is that other leisure or entertainment? Mm-hmm. And uh, crickets, you know, no cut, no discussion. He hadn't thought about that. To him, golf at this point in his retirement age, its stage was, hey, it's my life. I like it. Plays five times a week. He's got a great handicap. He's a great competitor. There was no thought if one day he couldn't play golf. And I know, Ted, you talk about that. You've had people to say, you know, I don't think about a hobby. I don't know about a hobby. What's something else that you would say to somebody thinking about life planning at retirement? Well, first of all, I'll say that there are some people that sitting on the back of that porch, and if the tomatoes are coming in ripe and the flowers are budding, <laughs> they're completely content. You because know, they I know, planted the tomatoes. I know people That's like right. that for sure. Yeah, and, but, but you're right. I think one of the things that we do is, uh, and it's associated with money, because a lot of people that, that want to do certain things, when you talk about travel and things like that, and that's I would say that's probably the highest thing on most people's list. I hear that a lot. They want to go see America or go some places they've never been before. So one of the things that that I also try to do from a cash flow standpoint is I need to know. I tell them there's two numbers we need to know. We need to know what they have to have. Okay, what do you what do you got to have? Bare uh, bare bones in terms of living your life, and then what is it that you want to have? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if they do have that pile of money, you know the economy goes up, the economy goes down. Uh, we have good years, we have bad years. We like to be able to be able to plan around that. But uh, I would say that that I had I, I tell you one quick story. I had a guy that come to me and they wanted to buy a an RV, and I told him, Jim, I told him very plainly. I said, "There's no way that you can afford an RV." and also have a house and i didn't hear anything for a while so two months later he calls me he said hey i need to come by and show you something i said <laughs> and said so, okay so he he drives up into trying to make this quick drives up in the parking lot and he's got this new truck and a new rv and i looked at him i said i said i thought we talked about this he said you said i couldn't have this in the house i sold the house <laughs> that's a true story uh, yeah i get it <laughs> Wow. And I understand that because that's planning, and he's made a choice. <laughs> yes. And that's what we talk about when we say life planning for retirement. Now, when you think about that, that's leisure. That's you know the idea of travel and things like that. What's something else, Michael, that you talk with people about? I'd say health, focusing on your health and fitness. I mean, I'm not talking about you got to go join CrossFit after you retire or anything. I'm talking about are you going to take a walk every morning? Are you going to go to that local community center and get some sweat in for 30 minutes a week? I mean, just something to keep the, the – Pickleball. Pickleball, yeah. I mean, golf is an exercise. Walk right. in nine holes. Um, I'd even say focusing on your health like going to the doctor annually. I mean, a lot of times when we work and we're busy, and, of course, right now it's hard to get out and do anything, but I think a lot of people have neglected their health over these past two years, and I think focusing on at least doing your annual checkups, going to the dentist once or twice a year, going to the eye doctor, going to the normal places that you need to go to, because if you neglect that, 
that can definitely dampen some things. You know, down my the dentist road. said that he sees people when they retire almost uniformly just neglect their teeth, and he said mm-hmm. and that's one of the biggest reasons they need to not do that because of health reasons. That's so important. What about career and community and charitable work? When you think about that, Michael, I mean, community and charity work, all of a sudden you talked about time, mm-hmm. and they can find ways to give back to the community. Maybe they couldn't do that when they were doing the 40, 45, 50-hour week. Yeah. I mean, my granddad, uh, before he passed, I mean, he had two full careers. He had college football coaching for about 30 years, and then he did title insurance sales for about 30 years. He retired at 83 and Smart died at man. 84. Yeah. I mean— you could pick up a whole new career after you've retired at 65, 67. Maybe it's real estate. Maybe it's, you know, being the uh, caddy at the golf course. Maybe that that's what your buddy could do. That's right. Um, if he can't swing the golf club, he could be a caddy or be a marshal. I mean, there's so many different things. Just to pass the time by, it doesn't have to be a full-time job. But, I mean, 20... But staying active yeah, is what exactly. you're saying. Getting something that's not just – I mean, this is called life planning – after retirement, for retirement, do it before you retire so that you've got a plan. You've spent a lifetime doing the accumulation, and the reality is now have you done something for working towards that? Hey, Jim, I've got a client that when he retired, he's a huge baseball fan. It is his goal in retirement before he dies to go and see a baseball game in every American League and National League park before he dies. I like that guy already. If Why don't I give him a call? Can I go with him? I think that's a gr- yeah. that's a fun thing. That's back to travel. That's having the ability. It's a plan, guys. It's a plan. It's thinking about what am I going to do after retirement. If you just tuned in, my guest, Michael Powell, certified financial planner, Ted Miner, RICP, and that's a retirement income certified professional. These guys know retirement. If you want to talk to them, tell them, give them a call at 901 757 Now, I've got a guy on the phone that knows investing. He's been doing it but um, I won't even tell you how long because he's an old. Never mind. I, I shouldn't do that. Rusty Leonard, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> again. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And uh, hopefully we can uh, plan for uh, doing this in retirement, too. <laughs> there you go, partner. And but that's a long time away, though. Don't even right. go there. we got a lot going on. <laughs> you know, I, I want to ask you right up, you know, the whole idea is we just finished September. It was a normal down market during September, very normal. October seems to be doing a little better. You know what I mean? We've had a little momentum. Uh, I like what I see. So, Timmy, what do you think for the fourth quarter? Well, normally the fourth quarter is very good, right? Right. Um, it's, it's, a, it's the seasonally strongest part of the year. Uh, so that is that should offer investors encouragement. Uh, but there was a reason why the market was down in September, and that was all you know, seasonally September is the worst month of the year for reasons that no one understands, but it just happens that way. But uh, there also is some you know concerning um, economic stuff going on out there as well. Uh, we've seen interest rates start to tick back up uh, as the Fed is now you know going to be beginning its taper in uh, November of its bond buying. And that bond buying, you know, they were just flooding the markets with liquidity. They're going to start slowing that down, and they'll do that through the uh, beginning of next year. So that should have an impact on the markets when that liquidity spigot is is turned off. And uh, we're also seeing, you know, we had so much uh, money being thrown at the the markets. It's caused all these shortages and everything and the inflation. Uh, But that's starting to slow down, too. So the fiscal stimulus side of the equation coming from the the Congress and all the money the Congress spent, 
that actually is, is slowing down too. And then there's China problems and the shortages and, and things of that nature. All those things are contributing to slower economic growth and higher inflation. Um, not a great combination. In fact, stagflation, as we call it, which is a stagnant economy with, a, with also high inflation, is a threat right now. We may see that kind of stagnant economic growth with co- accompanied by high inflation. And if we do, uh, that's the worst scenario for stocks typically. So we need to be, while we can be excited about the normal seasonal uh, run higher um, in the stock market, we need to you know, have a little bit of caution associated with that as well, given these other factors that are, are real. Well, I want to talk to you when we come back after the brick. I know the Fed's balance sheet shows about $8 trillion. That's with a T. We don't used to, we, I used to never think about thinking we're talking about trillions of dollars, but today that's <laughs> right. common. When I come back, though, I want to talk a little bit about that and how that seems to be creating problems for other countries, the central bankers around the world, and the reality, the, the inflation threat. So if you just tune in, my guest is Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. He is going to continue to give us an economic forecast for 2021. We're going to talk about inflation and really what are some of the problems with $7.96 trillion of debt. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're listening. You're listening to Talk Money. My guest is Rusty Leonard. I want to remind you that you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to a podcast. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us a note. Uh, just leave us a review. We would definitely appreciate it. Rusty, before we took the break, I mentioned inflation, and I, and I guess I hear inflation being a big, big topic. And I want to ask you this, I guess, is it, do you see the, the inflation that we're talking about, this idea of five and a half or five percent inflation, is it more the Fed's fault or do you see it more of the logistical problems of just supply and demand? Demand's high. I mean, I tell you, it's amazing. You can go into any big box store today and see empty shelf after empty shelf. Then you get a picture and all you see is a hundred big, big, cargo ships out in the coast on the west coast waiting to try to get into the docks to deliver goods and they can't do that what is the problem and what's causing inflation it's a multifaceted problem it involves a lot of different things and the federal reserves you know pumping up the economy with low 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 interest rates much lower than they probably should have been, as well as pumping all that liquidity into the system as part of it. But it's also the federal government uh, pumping all that stimulus into the uh, economy. Now, it was well-intentioned. Obviously, the COVID situation was quite dramatic, and uh, they decided to go after it with all guns a-blazing. But as it, you know, looking back retrospectively, you say, well, maybe they, they did too much, because what you've seen is um, COVID reduced the number of employees, uh, both by literally by death, but also by people being fearful of you know, leaving their house. And it increased the amount of demand because everybody had a ton of money in their pocket after all this extra government money was thrown out there. And, uh, and now we've got vaccine mandates, which is going to further reduce the uh, supply of employees at just the wrong time, which will probably extend this whole inflation problem uh, well beyond where it should be. So the government 
uh, in its efforts to try to be helpful, has really hurt us in many regards. And so we're seeing this slower uh, economic growth as some of that stimulus comes off, but uh, still with the vaccine mandates and with other things uh, limiting employment, uh, we're seeing the supply disruptions and the shortages, which lead, of course, to price increases. You know, you talk about the, the, the amount of money in the bank accounts, and I was reading from the uh, Longview Economics, they talked about 3.3, again, trillion of dollars, additional cash in, you know, in the bank accounts. So it's there. Will that stimulate the economy for 2022? Is that when that money begins to come out of the bank accounts, or, or will there not be enough goods for and services to be used to purchase that is that was that a problem it is yeah no that's a problem if if you know if, if there's nothing to buy or if there's very little to buy then you uh you know you can't spend the money even if you want to but i think a lot of that money that's all in the bank accounts is you know people who are looking at the situation and saying you know the, the world's kind of gone mad and i'm, I'm just going to sit on that money i'm going to keep it for safekeeping you know because i don't know what the future holds yeah so i think there's a, a lot of those uh, trillions are just people who are you know, expressing their common sense and saying, you know, I'm not looking to spend that money. I'm looking to just hold on to it because I don't know what's around the corner. Well, let's talk about what's around the corner with central bankers. I mean, literally around this global world of ours that we have to understand it is a global world, that we do need to think about global purchasing and all that going on, the response to inflation that they're looking at. And what are they, they're different than what the Fed's doing. Is the Fed being too slow to react are the central bankers, you think, of the world being a little too quick to act? I would argue the former, that the Fed is too slow, has been way too slow. In fact, it may go down in history, you know, 10 years from now or 20 years from now, this point in time, uh, Jerome Powell's reputation may be, you know, mud uh, for having just hung around too long. You may recall before COVID, the Fed was very anxious to create some inflation because we had been dealing with deflation for so long. Well, you know, they, they've accomplished their goal and maybe over-accomplished it. And other central bankers around the world are reacting much more quickly. So we're not, in this country, we're not expecting any rate increases until sometime in the middle, middle or late next year. Uh, and elsewhere around the world, they've been increasing interest rates you know, regularly. And the market itself is increasing interest rates. So you may have noticed that the uh, 10-year U.S. Treasury bond has jumped from a yield of about 1.2% up to over 1.6% just in the last few weeks. And so that's a pretty strong move in a very short period of time. So the market is telling you that uh, we're behind the curve and that the Fed really needs to get in the game here. Well, I think nobody would disagree with that. I think that's, uh, you're exactly right. We can tell that. And you're right. Prior to the pandemic, there was this movement to increase rates. And now it seems like we've been just so slow. And I can understand. And I, again, you want to say, okay, I get it. But at the same time, uh, that is the Treasury Department and the Fed supposed to be managing that. Let me ask you about China. Uh, I mean, we've got it, – it seems like they've become a military giant all of a sudden. They're threatening their neighbors militarily. What do you see? What do you see is happening with China? Yeah, it's, they're becoming very aggressive, and it's not just uh, with Taiwan. It's with India. It's with Japan on these uh, these islands off of Japan that they're claiming. They're trying to exp expand their territory through the oceans and creating – you know, building new islands, dumping – dirt into the, into the ocean to create new islands that they can then claim as their territory. Uh, they're attacking Vietnamese fishing boats. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty alarming, really, uh, that, that, that this long, quiet country from a military perspective has now all of a sudden become uh, much more aggressive. And uh, recently, just many of your listeners probably heard about the Chinese having this new hypersonic weapon 
that uh, they claim uh, achieves something that uh, really everybody who's involved in that uh, in those types of that type of science trying to create those weapons, my brother-in-law being one of them, so I have some insight into this, uh, is you know kind of astonished that they were able to achieve what they apparently achieved uh, in this hypersonic weapon. So that could also put them in a, a position where they can be more threatening to even the United States of America. You know, that, that puts an edge on everybody. We remember the Cold War days. We remember the issues and around, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and now it's China. Uh, that makes everyone nervous. But here's the issue that I see as, uh, to me as a big problem is Europe and the price of oil and gas and the whole idea behind that can grind them to a halt. Your thoughts quickly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they are, unlike the United States, where we were able to do the through the actually through the Obama administration, believe it or not, but especially through the Trump administration, we're able to become self-sufficient in oil production. Uh, we've lo- kind of lost that now, but we still are much much better shape than the, uh, the Europeans. Europeans are really they just have no oil self-sufficiency at all in oil. Then on top of that, they're getting rid of coal and nuclear and trying to go green at uh, just the wrong time. And Putin. Uh, is the one who supplies them with most of their natural gas, and now he's putting a squeeze on them. And we've seen natural gas prices go through the moon in uh, in Europe, and there's a whole bunch of uh, problems associated with that, which will also slow their economy down while leading to higher inflation because the energy prices are higher. Across yeah, the that's that's a Chris, that's a real crisis method that's telling us that that's a possibility. We got about thirty seconds. Tell me, literally, your thoughts. You mentioned stagflation. What's your prediction for twenty twenty two? Well, it's hard to say. Uh, obviously, we have this problem with uh, COVID, and uh, it may come back. There's now another version that's popping up in, in uh, the UK and France uh, that may be causing us some problems through the winter. Hopefully not. But uh, So that's a, a factor. But we also have, the, like I said, the vaccine mandates are causing people to lose their jobs, and uh, we need people to actually go out and get jobs so that we can get this economy going again. So the economy may slow down quite a bit, and as it slows down, that should help cool inflation. So it's it's just it's a really it's a it's a puzzle. It's not easy at all to figure this one out. Well, you know, it's always good to have you on the program, though. Rusty Leonard, certified financial analyst, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. Rusty, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be with you. I want to thank my guest, Rusty Leonard, again, and Michael Powell, Ted Miner. If you have questions, you can reach them and get in touch with us at 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We would appreciate it. Next week, my guest, Jason Harrington, will talk about getting financially fit. And Shannon Dyson and Claire Green will talk about Medicare and the changes and what's going on. You need to know about it. That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. If you have questions, please send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We want to thank you so much for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Ted Miner, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.